Welcome to this edition of Hindsight is Horrifying, the show where two mostly normal and somewhat cynical adults discuss life as members of the TV generation. Now, here are your hosts, Darth Jader and Jason Mitchell. All right, that's us. Good evening, Hindsighters, and welcome back for a special edition of our quarantine episodes. Yay. Oh, there's no scream. There's just <laughs> there's Jason no, sighing no, defeatedly. There's no scream. <laughs> That's no, what it is. It's just misery. Got it. Um, Yeah, we are in week five of quarantine, Hindsighters. Imagine. I know the rest of you are, too. So God, is it five weeks already? Uh, well, we uh, this is mid-week five. So oh, at the end, it will officially be five weeks, yes. Uh, so quarantine, hooray. We're super excited about that. And, uh, so for this week, Jason actually picked our film. Yes. And Jason, why don't you tell us a little bit about this, but, or, or should we introduce our special, very rare guest why, host? Why don't we introduce our super surprised guest host? That no first. one knows yes. ever. No one's ever heard don't, of this person. Don't forget about me. <laughs> don't you forget about me. He's yeah. doing his breakfast club moves right now. Uh, you just can't see it because he's only on audio this week, listeners. But. Yes, live by phone. It is Adam B. Hello, Mr. B. Adam B. Welcome back. I'll tell you, it, it is so good to be here with you two. I, I'm thirsting for non-family human interaction. <laughs> and you are now my two, my two favorite people yeah. in the world. You give me my artistic outlet. Thank yeah. you, thank so, you for I'm having sorry, me. Did you just it's say he's thirsty? Because that sounded weird. Yeah, yeah, he, he is thirsty. Um, but speaking anyway. speaking of Death Race 2000, uh, yes, because yeah. because I wanted to do a movie. No, I did not that, bring this up. Yeah. Jason brought it up yes. this time. Um, last week we did uh, Batman and Robin, um, mm-hmm. which was a very campy, very silly movie. Um, and I thought I want to do something this week that's uh, a bit on the scary side, you know, yes. a, bit, a bit on the intense side. And it certainly is. It's a very suspenseful movie. Uh, but I also wanted to do a movie directed by somebody that we can all sort of make fun of. Uh, M Night Shyamalan, Ding Dong. Yes, M Night Shyamalan. How you pronounce that? M Night Shyamalan. Something face. So I decided that this week we would do the the movie Signs. Which is, in my opinion, the best of the M. Night Shyamalan movies. Shyamalan, yeah. yeah. And and the reason I say that it, uh, I mentioned Death Race 2000 is, of course, there's a very obvious connection between the movie Signs which and is? Death Race 2000, which is Tech Fujimoto. Yeah. The, uh, the same person, yes. The same person <laughs> who photographed Death Race 2000 photographed this movie. And Ferris Bueller. And Ferris Bueller. And yes. he did uh, The Sixth Sense also. I think he did a few of M. So. M. Night's movies. Let me double uh, check. I think but so there is another connection. Mm. There is another connection between this movie and another cinematic universe that's very important. Do tell. The And we're going to get into it, but for those of you who haven't seen Signs, it's about aliens. Um, uh, what? Yeah. Spoiler <laughs> well, alert. But the thing is, I think there's a lot of people who haven't seen this movie. Uh, well, it, was yeah, made so, in two th- it came out yeah. in 2002, so yes, that's, um, that's very fair to assume. But uh, yeah, there is uh, there is a person who ha- he is, uh, his, his character is alien on the roof. Um, he's literally the alien on the roof in one scene. Which started out as a live, like, taller actress when they first tried to do practical effects for the aliens. That didn't work out. Yeah. But please go ahead with your story. But Alien on the Roof was played by the same person... Band name. 
who plays <laughs> Alien, yes, on the roof. Yeah, Alien on the Roof. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, played by the same person who played Kick Puncher in two episodes of Community. So there's our connection. I'm <laughs> now. Why don't you tell us about the movie? <laughs> I can, I guess. Um, well, well, me bringing the phone close to the microphone messes it up. Or? Yes, there. I hear. There you go. All That's right, good. here we go. So I can look up the synopsis. <laughs> yes, Johnny Cash plays the son of uh, Johnny Cash. <laughs> of, uh, Not uh, the son, the brother. <laughs> the brother. The yeah, brother he plays the brother of, of Mel Gibson. <laughs> yes, of, the of, love of my life, of, hindsight. Of Reverend Riggs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ram, uh, Graham Hess yes. is his name. Uh, signs movie synopsis. Well, uh, while you're looking for that, I just want to say this movie actually has sort of a special place in my heart because. And I saw it in the theater uh, back whenever it was still okay to refer to M. Night Shyamalan as, you know, an up-and-coming director. A master with a beautiful, director. Beautiful, with a great future in front of him. With, you know, uh, nominations yeah. for Academy Awards oh, yeah, yeah. and such. Yes, it yeah. was a huge deal. Well before Lady in the Water and The Happening. Oh, and God. Last Airbender. And I know people and, like Glass, but I'm not a fan of Glass. It's just an Unbreakable. I, I, uh, I liked Un- Unbreakable. Unbreakable was not uh, one of my favorites. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed Unbreakable. I didn't like Glass at all. Um, I didn't see mm. Split, though, so I don't know. Maybe if I'd seen Split. There I, are a lot I didn't uh, see. You know. But when I was in film school, um, one of my, uh, my mentors actually used this movie as sort of his example movie for... Um, Cinematography? Well, no, for the for cinematic language, like how you speak to the audience Okay. Uh, in a movie. And there's a bunch of stuff in this movie that I never really... There's a lot to this movie that uh, you don't get unless somebody really kind of explains it to you. Okay. Because um, the movie's not really about aliens. No, uh, the aliens, even in the first, I want to say, what is it, 90 minutes of the film? They appear, well, they're only in it like 11 seconds. Yeah, yeah. They're a, and yeah, like you said, a few seconds of it. And then there's like a solid minute where one shows up at the very end of the film. Right. And that's the big climactic scene. Uh, and that's where that's the weakest part of the whole thing. Okay. You know, the whole... like By this, what standard, though? Well, because that's when you get to the whole twist. And the, well, the, the, and, the, we'll get to the twist. All right, that twist. Well, I do have the synopsis ahead of Please. me now. It took my phone a moment, so my apologies, yes. Hansiders. But the basic synopsis of this film is everything that Farmer Graham Hess, Mel Gibson, assumed about the world is changed when he discovers a message, an intricate pattern of circles and lines carved into his crops. As he investigates the unfolding mystery, what he finds will forever alter the lives of his brother, Joaquin Phoenix, and children, Rory Culkin and Joaquin? Abigail Breslin. Joaquin? Um, a unique story that explores the mysterious life of phenomena of crop signs and the effects that they have on one man and his family. Nah, eh, I don't really think it, that's... That's a weak synopsis. Yeah, that's a very bad, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care for that. I. It is... Okay, Mel Gibson, let's... No, let me get mad okay, at you right, right now, because you know what's about to happen, Jason. Oh, yeah, no. So, Hindsiders, you should be well aware by now that Dark Jader loves her King German Shepherd, Millie, and... That's one of the loves of my life forever and always. She just turned 10 a few months ago. And, of course, Jason picks a damn movie with two German shepherds that die. So I was texting both of you about that. Oh, yeah. wow. Uh, I think last night when I was oh. watching this damn movie. Yeah. Well, it... it well, hey, if, really quickly, if we're synchronized, then the German shepherd just wet on the floor. 
and Mel had to clean it up. Uh, a moment ago. Who, yeah. So there's a boy German Shepherd named Houdini and a girl named uh, Isabel. And the boy, yeah, yeah. he relieves Spo- himself spo- on the floor. Yeah, and spoiler alert, they both die. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They, they both die pretty but, hard. But isn't that, much like, isn't that much like Jade wetting herself when she sees Mel Gibson? So there's a lot of metaphors here. Wow. It's awfully easy to wow. be brave from the bunker, isn't it, Mr. <laughs> Brown? Isn't yeah. it? When, when, you got, when you got, you know, seven inches of concrete and some reinforced steel between you and Darth Jader, it's mm-hmm. easy. Yeah. He's never coming back to the studio yeah. again. He's, yeah, you can, get all, you can up, get all Peter Griffin. He's built up too much ass-whipping credit. That's what he's done. So we'll see. The Mel Gibson plays a, uh, uh, he was an Episcopalian reverend uh, whose wife died. And because of that, he... Right. He he abandoned he the faith. church. He lost his, his faith. faith. Yeah, and it's actually interesting. This is one of the things that my my professor uh, mentioned. Um, he early in the movie they start seeing crop circles. Yes, uh, crop circles begin forming in the, in uh, his cornfield. He's a farmer. Which oddly enough, crop circles typically happen in uh, wheat fields. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Uh, and ding dong. No, that's yeah. exactly what it was. He yeah. decided on uh, planting, and they actually yeah. planted all this corn for this movie, uh, yeah. just because it is taller and it's cool. easy. It's it, it gives you a sense of claustrophobia, yeah. but there's too much open space at the same time. Yeah. So it's a bit of a juxtaposition. If you've never been in a cornfield, particularly at night, oh god, it, it is it is very claustrophobic. It gets you very quickly how. You know, and and the sound. Joey, have you ever been in a farmer's <laughs> <Yeah>. cornfield? <laughs> but no, but the scene um, uh, very early on in the movie. You know, he's talking to a, a police officer about the crop circle, and and yes, uh, Cherry Jones, Cherry Jones, yeah, uh, Officer Paskey, yeah, and she asks him what's wrong, and he says, "I can't hear my children." I was going to ask both of you about this yeah. since you're both dads. So, yeah. well, that's the whole movie. What's wrong with you, I father? Because remember, in that scene, she keeps calling him father, and, and he he's tells like, Don't her not call to. Me father. Yeah, he insists that she shouldn't. Yeah, and then he and then she says, "Well, father, what's wrong? I can't hear my children. My children of the corn." And, well, no, and that's that's the character. <laughs> I know, bad yeah, joke. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the character is that he has lost his faith. Oh, and we're at a shot right here too, uh, gentlemen. Do you know why the house is red, white, and blue? No. Because uh, Shamalama Ding Dong, or Shamalian, what's his face? M. Night. No, he wanted M-Night. to represent the U.S. as kind of like a fortress. So they actually built huh. a hollow house. It was built as a set. It's not even a real house. And uh, he trimmed it with red, white, and blue specifically to symbolize the U.S. as a fortress. That's interesting. See, that's the thing. M. Night, you know, M. Night gets a bad rap. Um, and... Because he had just as many great movies as he did flops, so yeah, I mean, he, I would, I would argue, yeah, I, I, you know, he, he's in one sense he became a victim of his own success. Well, yeah, and he, he sort of overshot his own goals in the sense that, like, yeah, yeah, you can come out with a brilliant. It's, it's almost James Cameron syndrome, but James Cameron had the sense to slow down and just make a movie, you know, every decade, yeah. whereas. M. Night Shyamalan, he decided that he's just going to jump the shark and make yeah. a brilliant movie every six months. So. And, and I want to just go out, go ahead and say nothing that I say in this episode is like a personal thing against M. Night because I actually have always gotten the impression that he's actually a pretty decent guy. Okay. You know, I mean, I know he's not that it means anything, you know, or 
not that the opposite would mean M. something. Night, hit him up on Instagram. But, you know, he's married to the same person. He's got three kids. He's a philanthropist, donates a lot of money to charity, you know. Yeah, he, he seems like a nice person. Yeah, yeah, he seems like a really nice guy. So it's not, it's nothing personal. It's just some, you know, some creative decisions. Um, right. I personally loved The Village until the end. I like The Village, too. It, it, it surprised me, and I think that's the main point, because honestly, yeah. M. Night Shyamalan, he... He models a lot of his work after the Twilight Zone, and that's yes, very There was Kick Puncher. What? Kick Puncher. He was on the roof. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> and with Joaquin Phoenix before his Joaquin kicks Phoenix. Have the power of punches. <laughs> <laughs> before Joaquin Phoenix went off the damn deep end, like, and became the Joker. But yeah, all I have are alien thoughts. Oh goodness. Or whatever. Anyhow, so. So who saw this movie in the theater? I did. I did too. Mr. B, did you see it in the theater? The very first time I saw this movie was about four and a half hours ago. I will really. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you did you find and it so creepy? Ah, oh, see, I wish I would have known that. I would have told you to watch it late at night by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> like no, fire in the a, sky. It was in a bright office. Right. Well, yeah, but it, I felt it, it did build suspense. And I felt myself lowering the volume a few times because you know where the buildup is, where you know something's going to jump out and cause you to have a heart attack. Well, yeah. and this and, is one of those movies, and, too, that like the dialogue is really low and it's mm-hmm. whispered and it's hushed. And then all of a sudden the music kicks up and you go deaf. So I can I can see that, actually. It, it um, you know, as far as things in movies that scare me, like ghosts don't scare me. Um Ghost movies. I'm not afraid of sharks. Yeah, I'm not yeah, afraid of ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> Aliens scare the hell out of me. Okay. Aliens, because, <laughs> because you know, like watching a movie like this, it's not that, as weird as it sounds to say it, it's not to me that much of a stretch to think, yeah, I mean, if aliens are out there and they decided to invade, you know, they could, they could, you know, they, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's genuinely creepy, genuinely scary to me. Well, because you just don't know what to expect from a villain like that. Yeah. It's not like Red Dawn where, you know, you're outnumbered, but you understand right. the villain, you understand what's going to happen. No, with aliens, you don't know what they're going to do. You don't know what technology right. they have, what knowledge You don't they know have. how you're going to kill Nothing. them. Yeah. yeah exactly. You don't even know what kills them. No. Um, and we'll get to well, that. Well, until you watch The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. And then you know what kills aliens. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah we'll, we'll, we'll get to the part that makes everybody... Spoiler alert. The thing that makes everybody hate this movie is the twist ending, <laughs> um, which is like The Village. The Village is a great movie, and the people I know who hate it hate it because of the twist ending. Yeah, kind of. And that's that damn Sixth Sense curse, you know, that yeah. it worked so well in The Sixth which, Sense. Because I, could, I couldn't call this movie, gentlemen, unlike I did with The Sixth Sense when I was 12 years old, because yeah. this movie was straightforward. There, there wasn't really a twist. The twist was what defeated the aliens. It wasn't the fact that there yeah. was a hoax because in the beginning you have Mel Gibson calling one of his neighbors saying, hey, you know, your son's kind of a troublemaker. Could you at least ask him where he was last night when right. this crop circle appeared in my cornfield? Just, just ask yeah. and I'll be happy with that. And no, he was at the movies? Okay, fine. And so there's no credibility to it until there is with the German shepherd dog. So what happens is with Rory Culkin and Abigail Breslin, uh, Mel's two children, like aggressively cute. 
Oh, she's <laughs> like she's ridiculous. Emma Stone's younger sister in Zombieland. She's a badass. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh. she's well, she's grown up now. This movie came out in 2002. Yeah. It's 2020 now. So that happened. But Giggity. <laughs> God, don't sorry, make me hit you. Sorry. Don't make me hit you. But um, <laughs> no, you have the kids who do also give a great performance because you have Rory Culkin, one of the Culkin kids. He's yeah. going to do a great job. And what he has to do is he has to kill the family pet because it's about to attack his sister. And that's when you start to really find out that things have taken a turn for the worst because all of the animals in the county have been acting acting aggressive or urinating in the house or whatever. He doesn't intentionally kill the dog. No, he it, says it, it the falls on him. Falls on him. And he's he has, hol- yeah, he's holding the 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 hay fork. Yeah, he had uh, the hay fork, and it stabbed the dog when the do- yeah. when the dog jumped on him. Pitchfork. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, we know what you're talking about. But yeah, so his little sisters hold up in their little playset. But he had to murder his own dog to save yeah. his sister, and that's a rough start to this story. Yeah, it, it really. Yeah, it really is. Because he can't be but like seven, maybe eight years old. That's yeah. crazy. Well, and so the movie lays out very early on you have this family that they make it very clear that something bad has happened yeah Um, there's a father with his brother living in the house raising the children and mom's not there you know yeah you get the pretty obvious sensation that mom died like it's not like she up and are you in an oft you know she uh she died so uh that's you get that from the officer, uh, what's her name, once again, uh, Officer Paskey. And I keep wanting to call her Officer Pelly. Well, was, and that's, I couldn't, that's the cop from uh, Corner Gas. For the life of me, I couldn't figure out where she was from besides the village, because she also is in the village yeah. with Joaquin Phoenix, but she's also in Aaron Brockovich. Oh, uh, yeah, she's been in a ton of stuff. Ocean's 12. Yeah. She's in The Handmaid's Tale. She's still working. Yeah. So, yeah, she's been around. Like, she's she's a very experienced actress. This this movie... She's, um, also, she's also on Broadway, by the way. She's a... She's a great actress also. I can see that. I, I can it. see that, yeah. Um, so the movie, from a from a plot standpoint, it, it, it begins with a mystery, mm-hmm. which is a crop circle appears in a farmer's field, and the mystery is, well, who made it? No, the mystery is why Mel Gibson is a pastor in the first place and how he's like, his brother's yeah. trying to convince him, okay, well, we're going to run around the house screaming and we're going to curse and scare whoever's climbing yeah. on our roof. Oh, I'm not convincing when I curse. Okay, Mel. Okay, <laughs> lethal weapon. Yeah. Okay, Mel. Whatever well, you say. It is funny. It's Mel Gibson playing a character who has a hard time looking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and as we all know, Riggs is more yeah. Mel Gibson than Father Graham is Mel Gibson. Yeah. Don't yeah. worry, Mel. I'm it still was a stretch. It was a stretch for him. Hey. He needed a little liquor in him to, to kind of loosen up. That's, to that's ironically be a father, yeah, or a priest or whatever, whatever you want to call it. But don't worry, Mel. I still love you. I think Mel's great in this. I, I you know, I, I, I think I think everyone is. Yeah, every, yeah. well, it's true. I agree. I think every single performance, uh, M. Night's little tiny performance is a little weak, but. It's it's a little vanity. It's a, it's a cameo. I'm fine with that. But do you know, you know, do you know what happened when they started filming this and what happened to M. Night right before? So, okay, this movie started filming on September 12th of 2001. I I did hear, some, I know that when they filmed the scene, the the scene where, where, Mel's, where, wife where dies. Mel's wife dies, that they, they had literally the first come, day of shooting. Yeah, they had come from like a... So the day after September 11th, yeah. they, the crew and all the uh, the actors had done a candlelight vigil. 
for all the victims of September 11th. Then the next day they had to wake up and shoot the most heartbreaking scene where Mel's wife is cut in half by a car. But also uh, there's a lot of tragedy associated with this movie. M. Night Shyamalan, uh, when he has that really rough scene, first of all, Mel didn't know that M. Night Shyamalan was going to play the veterinarian who killed his wife in the movie until right before they shot the scene. That's cool. So there was that. But right before they shot that scene, M. Night Shyamalan's granddad had died the day before. And part Mm. of the reason why he cast himself as the villain in this movie is to make it feel more real for him. So when he filmed that scene, he had two pictures, one of that candlelight vigil from their first day of shooting and one of his granddad to really just like amp up the emotion of the moment. So it, it, there was a lot of tragedy associated with this movie. It was crazy. Yeah. And the, uh, the movie itself, the, some of the emotional notes that it hits, mm-hmm. particularly the dinner scene. Mm. Yes, that's one of the biggest turning points in the entire movie. Absolutely. Yeah, which is which is such an interesting scene because it's like it almost has like a touch of comedy in it every once in a while. Oh, yeah. a little moment, but it's so sad. Well, and but it's, it's also, also so heartwarming. It is because it's know? also the moment because it. You know, Mel Gibson is usually, like you said, kind of the firecracker, Jason. He's kind of the crazy person or this guy socking people in the face or whatever. But in this one, he's a reverend. Yeah. And he's trying to be this calm, stoic figure for his children, despite the fact that he's utterly lost his faith when his wife right. died. Right. And he just doesn't believe in science, doesn't believe in fate, like nothing, right. any of that anymore. But he, he, he he's starts to the other. He's not he doesn't just not believe in it. He has come to the conclusion that it's all fake. That, that it's all that, just that, random. There, it, there nothing is no means God. Anything. It's yeah. all, yeah, no one's looking out for you. And and that's one of the reasons why they cast, um, uh, or why he cast Mel Gibson in this role, is because M. Night said, Mel Gibson is the guy that you would want protecting your family. Well, it is, you know? but guess what? Guess who uh, Shyamalan actually envisioned at first? For the protagonist, what he originally thought for Graham Hess, he thought he was going to be kind of... David Carradine. Oh, my God. (laughs) I would like to note that I did not bring up David Carradine this time. Anyway, um, he envisioned... Is that just Stallone? Stallone? Um, no. (laughs) Anyone from Death Race 2000? No, uh, he envisioned an older man. And (laughs) and then he slaps his daughter in the face. (laughs) No, but he actually approached both Clint Eastwood and Paul Newman to star, and both of them turned him down. Eastwood would have been awesome. They they both would have been. Oh, my God. I think Paul Newman could have done a great job. alien outside. (laughs) You gotta ask yourself one question. <laughs> Do I feel extraterrestrial? <laughs> no, but uh, Mel Gibson was the one who really read the script and thought it was a complete ta- page turner. So he signed on pretty yeah. much immediately. Well, and it, what's so nice about it is that Joaquin Phoenix and Mel Gibson work so well as brothers. And they look like they're brothers. Joaquin wasn't even supposed to be the brother. Do you know who was? No. Mark Ruffalo. Ooh. So once again, <laughs> no, no, no. This is super Rain. spooky. Go ahead, Adam. Yeah, brain tumor, right? He yes, yes. He, you seem to know the story, so you tell it. Tumor. Yes. Oh, damn. I wish I didn't know that because yeah, I was, was about to riff on Mark Ruffalo. Well, it, there's a lot more detail to it than that. So he was cast. It was it was already done. It was set. 
So uh, he was going to be Meryl, but then shortly before the movie went to into production, he dreamed that he contracted a brain tumor during the shoot. The next day, he went to the doctor, and this is all from Movie Phone. You can look it up. He went to the doctor, and he found he really did have a brain tumor, forcing him to drop out of the film to be replaced by Phoenix. The tumor proved benign, but it cost him his hearing in his left ear and nearly paralyzed his face. It took like a year and a half before he could recover enough to even act again. So lots of really spooky, crazy things going on with the production All of right, this well, movie. I'm not going to rip on Mark Ruffalo now. Yeah, you can't. Damn it. Yeah. I was about to say, let's be nice. <sighs> let's slow, be your, nice. slow your roll on Ruffalo. He's a good guy. Man. <laughs> He's Don't the Hulk, man. He's, come on. Hulk yeah. smash. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and I'm sure he would have brought that, that sort of nuanced performance to, uh... no, Joaquin, Joaquin's, look, I'm a huge fan of Joaquin Phoenix. I think he's, he's a, He's a Brilliant fantastic actor, actor. My God, I, I think he needs, um, like, not to derail this and talk about something else, but like, we I, never do that. Yeah, but like, you know, the Joker. Um, it was good. I didn't. I th- liked it. I didn't think that I. Th- I liked it enough. I didn't. I didn't love it, and I think part of it was that I think it needed something to balance it, and because Joaquin Phoenix is like on eleven. You know, the he's just acting time. the crap out of it. And there's nobody to, like, balance him. There's no, Well, that know. was the point of that story, though, is that it, it wasn't even really a super... And that's why they put out all those PSAs for the longest time. Like, yeah, it's not stop Batman, bringing no. your children to the Joker. Batman never even shows up. It's right. not a thing. Stop doing it. Because Which made is, me th- it made me think it was going to be a lot more violent than it was. It really wasn't nearly as violent or anything that... Well, he was sort of fleshing himself out. He, he's not a supervillain yet. He's literally a man suffering from mental illness. And that like, that's where Joaquin really came in and made that his yeah. own movie. Yeah. Because he took that and just... It was a guy who never stopped getting kicked while he was down. And that's the subsequent story yeah. and how he turned into the Joker, the yeah. supervillain. Like... Because he's not, he's not super strong. He doesn't have all these talents. He's just really smart, incredibly, incredibly manipulative, like and in, sad. Like yeah. that. That's it. And Joaquin nailed that. Yeah, he and really did. Never when I was watching this movie, Signs, back in two thousand two, did I think that Joaquin Phoenix would win an Oscar for being the Joker. You know, I, I think we all when when Joaquin played Johnny Cash, I think that was whenever everybody sort of went okay. Started to take him seriously. Uh, yeah, yeah, this this guy's a good actor. He's, oh, he killed it. He, yeah, he, yeah, he, he's really he good couldn't actor. quite get Johnny's register, but who can? Well, uh, yeah. But seriously, he killed it as yeah. Johnny Cash. He really did. But um, the um, getting back to to signs though. Oh right, um, there's a movie. So okay, this movie, I watched this in the theater. Um, which Same. was a, a great experience. So how old would you have been in 2002, Jason? 23. All right, I was about 14. Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah, but yeah, 23. That makes sense. Um, I saw it with a group of friends, and it was great because uh, <laughs> there was when we saw it, there were these um, like teenage girls who were sitting in the row in front of us. Okay. And, you know, little bubbly, you know, teenage girls yeah. or whatever. And uh, I was sitting next to a friend of mine who who will remain nameless. <laughs> but he's he's a really big dude. Okay. I mean, like, he's, he's, he's six foot something. He's a big guy. Um, and the scene where the second dog, um, the female Isabel. dog. Isabel. 
there's sort of a jump scare where Isabel jumps and barks at Mel Gibson. Yes, that hasn't happened yet. We haven't gotten there. <laughs> and in that scene, when that happened, my friend screamed like a little girl and jumped out of his seat. <laughs> and the best part of it was that the bubbly little teenage girls all turned around and pointed and laughed at him. Oh. <laughs> and it was <laughs> so mean. It was so awesome. And of course, we never spoke of it again. Until now. <laughs> well, I, no, we, we, we reminded him of it probably every of week for the did. rest of his life. Yeah. That, that's how dudes operate. You <laughs> well, give each other shit. Yeah. We're going to go see a movie, dude. Now it might be a little scary. <laughs> you know. <laughs> now we're going to go see a Goosebumps movie. Yeah, Don't get like, scared. <laughs> okay. Do we need to talk about it? You know. Uh, but it was. It was scary. You know, it was genuinely creepy. And and the 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 end of the movie isn't scary it's all of the stuff that builds up. It's no, all I of agree. the creep factor and the what's going on stuff. Because uh, James Newton Howard did a brilliant job of conducting the music for this. And what I heard about this in, in my research is that he didn't even wait for the movie to start Yeah, I heard that too. Before he started producing the music for it, he just went off of the storyboards from M. Night Shyamalan Ding Dong. So (laughs) he's like, I'm looking at the storyboards. But they had already done a couple of movies together. It's kind of like... uh, Yeah, he knew what he was getting into. Kind of like Danny and Tim. You know, Danny knows what Tim is looking for. So they've got a good feel for each other, but... Really, yeah. this movie really makes me want to go to Bucks County, Pennsylvania. It looks like such a lovely place. Well, I've got a story about that too. Uh, so I did sort You're, of well, mention. Wait, uh, Mr. B is from. In He's that. from Pennsylvania. Yes. Is, is, I'm an hour and a half away from is, Bucks County. I, that's where I grew up, Harrisburg, is, Pennsylvania. Is Bucks County is it as as bucolic and lovely as it appears in this movie? Wow. Oh yeah. Oh. It is lovely. Good to know, because, you know, a lot of times you see that and it's like, well, you know, they had to run off all the meth addicts to, to make it, you know. So <laughs> well, that's good. That, that makes me happy. I hate to burst your bubble, gentlemen, because it was not actually filmed there. Oh, was it? It was filmed at Delaware Valley College. That's right. This, the town scenes yes. were filmed in Bucks County, yes. but the farm scenes were in Delaware. Yes, because right. uh, M. Night Shama, he decided that he wanted to do corn instead of wheat, like we've mentioned already, and he had to figure out a way to actually make like 40 acres of corn grow as tall as he needed it to before they started filming. And as a matter of fact, he found the grounds of Delaware Valley College, and it was an agricultural school that was so impressed with the irrigation method that the production used that it like involving like reclaimed water, it added it to the curriculum of the school. Huh. So, yeah. M- M- so what a twist. What a twist. <laughs> yeah. Of all things in a Shamalama Ding Dong movie. My God. But And let's take a brief time out. Absolutely. Uh, we are going to reset our cameras uh, to make post-production easier for Just the schmuck who edits this stuff. Uh, and you might see an ad. Uh, so we will be back in about one second. And we're back. And interesting scene. Uh, Adam B., why don't you tell us what's happening Yeah, now? where are we right now, Adam? I see a little boy holding a microphone up into yes. the air. Great scene. A baby monitor, it, of all things. <laughs> yeah, a baby monitor. You get a signal, a signal from the supposed alien. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who are, you know, broadcasting unencrypted. Um, but <laughs> hey, they're, they're, they're yeah. literally speaking clicks and whistles. That's so true. they <laughs> don't think that we yeah. can interpret it. <laughs> yeah. Well, they save money. They're like, well, why should we spend the money? They're not going to understand what we're saying anyway. Yeah. It's I like mean, World click, War click, II. click. 
<laughs> World War Two all over again. Yeah, this know? this is the jump scare uh, with the dog. But no, that scene with the uh, with the aliens talking though, that was such a. As somebody who's really big into UFOs, <laughs> who really loves this stuff, it's He's, so creepy. Wait, Jason likes UFOs? I Adam, love them. Have you ever heard love this him, man. before? Hold I, on. But the thing is, I love ghosts, too. It's just I don't really get scared of that. <laughs> See, I just, this is what I could not get over, is when you have a dog that's as smart and intuitive as a German Shepherd, because they are, they're incredible animals. When mine oh, starts flipping out like this, I listen to her. And I follow her around the house until I find what the problem is. Yeah. Usually with, you know, my rifle in tow. So uh, I don't yeah. understand why the grown-ups are not taking the dog seriously at the very least. Well, uh, yeah, I agree with you because I grew up with German Shepherds. In fact, the, the, the dogs in this movie remind me a lot of the second German Shepherd mm-hmm. I had. Um, was it a saddleback? He, he, he was a beast. He oh. was he was a big old beast, but he was he was as sweet as could be, and just a big old goofy. Oh, they're doofy idiots until they're not. Yeah, that's the thing. That's, that's exactly so, how he was. And by the time they turn like yeah. this, I was sitting at the screen, and I, you know, I'm not going to argue with Mel Gibson <laughs> that much. Their feet don't work right. You know, they don't. They don't. Yeah, no, they're they're Bambi on ice. <laughs> yeah. uh, but um, unless they're in dirt, but and then they can get some traction. But I was yelling at Mel, and I don't ever yell at Mel, gentlemen. I love him, but I was like, listen to your damn dogs, Mel. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, I would. Well, well right. I was Go gonna ahead. say right now he is in the in the cornfield, and you're yes. right. Wheat would not, you know, knee high wheat would not have the same effect as the claustrophobia. No. There's, there, a creature could be on him in a second, and he wouldn't even know it. Right. And I can imagine in the theater, this must give a real sense of of impending dread or and, something about to occur. And the sound of the uh, the corn stalks. Crunching. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. just the crunching, but just the way the wind blows through and the, the way that they just sort of, you know, they, they, they rustle. Whistle. Yeah. It's cre- And I love the shot, the long shot of uh, Mel standing in the circle with the flashlight. That shot reminds me of something from Jaws. Which uh, one? Uh, the the shot with him standing with the flashlight. No, remind- what does it remind you from Jaws? No, it just reminds me of like some of the scenes with uh, like uh, uh, when, they, the chum, when, when, they, when they find the boat at night. Um, oh, and they've yeah. got the flashlight or the the light on the on uh, Richard Dreyfuss's boat. Oh, and the shark could yeah. pop up on you, but it then just, it's a there's it, a body. It, 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 it oh has, yeah, it just has oh, this God. this silent creepiness to it. Well, and speaking of Jaws, uh, going back to our uh, the composer, and I've already forgotten his name. Forgive me, but uh, he did this instead of the two notes like John Williams with Jaws. Yeah. He did three notes, but he would do it on a downbeat and an upbeat depending on what was happening in the scene. So at any given time, he could make you feel absolute dread with just three yeah. little chords. Yeah. Or he could just give you instant relief with three upbeat chords. It, yeah. it was crazy. If you're bought into the movie, then you, you know, you're know you invested and you can do that. You you sort of let the movie scare you. Oh, yeah. You know? Like this scene here. With oh, the alien. and you see the first alien? <laughs> yeah, oh, God. yeah, the alien no, leg. Just looked and it surprised me. <laughs> that scared the absolute bejesus out of me whenever I saw this. Yep. And it just, because you, at this point, you're, how many minutes into the movie, you just don't expect to see anything. Especially in an M. Night Shyamalan movie where the twist is all about it. So you don't really think for a second right. the aliens might be it. Especially since, you know, Mel Gibson's like, ha ha, neighbor, tell your kid to stop wrecking my crops. That'd be great. Thanks. K okay, yeah. bye. And there 
he's fighting so hard, yeah. so hard yeah. to like represent like this, you know, the solid figure well, for his children. And no, yeah. there are no aliens. Right. Well, because he said, turn the TVs off. We're not watching the news. We're not listening to the radio either. Yeah. Like, none of that all stuff. Of it. And then in this scene, he finally, after seeing that, it's enough mm-hmm. to make him say, okay, let's turn the TVs on. Yep. And of course, when we turn the TVs on, it's the entire so, world has. And, and it think for a second, just imagine if you turned it on to CNN. Well, nobody watched CNN. Um, <laughs> one of the other new, one of the news networks is still in business. Um, and you saw the lights in the sky over oh, Mexico yeah. City. How absolutely gut-wrenchingly terrifying would it be to see that on the news? Especially living in such a pastoral setting because, and this is one thing that I know that we, and I love that you chose this movie, Jason, amidst the whole quarantine pandemic because this is a great example of how alone people are feeling right Right. now. No joke. like No one's going to protect you. You're on your own. And especially when you're like a pacifist family like this because, they don't seem to own a single knife, gun, weapon of any sort. Right. Whereas, like, I'm out in Canton, and I understand <laughs> yeah. that I live in unincorporated territory. Yeah, yeah. That means I have big dogs and big guns, <laughs> guns. at my house. That's and, and, what and, that and means. And if you don't have a gun, you could always go over next door and go, hi, can I borrow an AR? Yeah, sure just, thing, just for the night, like, <laughs> yeah. or just until the pandemic's over, yeah. please. No, my neighbor drove his four-wheeler into his backyard the other day. I love where I live. It's fantastic. It's it's like I said, unincorporated yeah. territory. I love it. Yeah, the aliens wouldn't know what but, hit them. But, yeah, to, to your point, I, I thought you selected this because of its metaphorical relevance to what's going on now. Because you've got aliens that are trying to attack us from the outside, almost invisible aliens, much like the pandemic and how they're holding up in their house, like we're all holding up. Right. Yeah. Boarding in our up homes. It, it Ooh, is. la la! Somebody's yeah. gonna get laid in college. <laughs> You stopped him dead. <laughs> right in the subwoofers. Go ahead, Mr. Brown. I'm sorry. That was a Rick and Morty joke. Oh, I was like, I, I've graduated from college. I know I don't look like I'm old enough to be out of college, but I am. <laughs> Young Clint <laughs> No, I did, I did not get laid in college. I had to wait till afterwards, not by choice. Yeah. But, but I, uh, I, I do have... <laughs> Four women, not four times. Thank you, Chandler. <laughs> no, that's a rest of development. It's also a Chandler joke from Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, because Michael Bluth so only. So that happened. Yeah. Because they keep telling you. Know, it doesn't Michael matter. Bluth, anyway, like, you know, Adam, you know, what, what were you saying, Adam? Community. I, I do have I do have a slight slight connection with this film, and it, it'll play out in a story, which I hope you'll find interesting. So it's 2002. It's July. And I'm with a friend of mine named Joe Kitsaris from South Africa. She's a, a costumer and, you know, also in the art, artist, artistic world. And we were running around New York City. And she said, hey, can my, can my friend join us? Her name is Topaz. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, she, and she's a professional model. She said, let me think about it. Yes. Well, wait, and, and, well, wait, wait, wait. And also being from South Africa, I'm assuming she had tons and tons of weed. Uh, n- well, no, no, oh, really. No. Everyone I've get ever, across ever, the airlines. everyone I've ever known from South Africa has just smoked so much weed. <laughs> well, no, this this Very was a woman. Racist. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, I think men smoke more weed than women. But um, 
At least they do in the movie. Anyway. But but nevertheless, so so to make a long story a little longer, we're we're together, and and this woman, Topaz, and, you know, she was, you know, I was just wondering, hey, does she have a boyfriend? Yes, she has a boyfriend, and his name is Joaquin. I said, oh, I know a guy named Joaquin. I I knew him in college. His name was Joaquin Malazat. I said, is his name Joaquin Malazat? She's like, "Uh, no, it's Joaquin Phoenix. What? Damn. (laughs) What? So I'm like, call him up, call him up, have him come on out with us, you know? So she calls him up and she's talking to him. And, and I'm like, come on, Joaquin, call him out. She's like, no, 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 he's really, he's really stressed out because the movie just opened and you know how they're hanging on box office figures, right? Sure. So he's sitting at home waiting for all the data to come in and was totally stressed. And I'm like, come on, Joaquin, we'll help you, we'll help you get your mind off the box office figures. But he didn't come out and join us, but I did yell Aww. at him through the phone. That's awesome. You <laughs> yelled at Joaquin Phoenix. And I've had I, I Anna Kendrick at him, scowl yeah. at Well, we have to make a shirt. We're, we're all so famous. <laughs> we, 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 yeah. Uh, I, I hereby decree that I'm going to make a shirt that I'm going to uh, have made for you that says I yelled at Joaquin Phoenix. Do I get one that says Anna Kendrick scowled at me? <laughs> okay. Awesome. Yeah. Remind that, me. I will totally do this. I think- I think his response was, who the hell is that guy? And tell him to shut up. Possibly. Um, but, Miss Brown, I would make the argument that you are reasonably saner than he is these days. So uh, I'm not sure what happened. I do know that he and River were raised in kind of a, a Oh, cult. it was a very odd family. It was yeah. a very odd, like, odd cult sort of a situation. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, River died outside of Johnny Depp's nightclub, the Viper Room. Yeah, uh, that that mm. was that was a bad, bad thing. Because River, bad River Phoenix, you know, and it was so weird because, like, you know, well, sorry, you... Oh no! I just oh. I just thought of a side story, gentlemen. Because Go for it. Jason loves to make fun of Johnny Depp and how hard the times that he fallen are are and fallen, fallen on are. Sorry, I can't say the right words. But guess what? Depp's got a defamation suit against Amber Heard, and she's facing up to three to five years in prison for making up evidence well, about domestic abuse. Hey, so, oh. I know I heard the story that like what she like chopped off a piece of his finger or something. She did. She she threw something at him, and it took off a bit of his finger. What like was she, it a throwing the, star? No, the, no. <laughs> yeah, like uh, that guy in a Strike Zone. But um, no, she made up like potentially just did makeup on her eye where she made up the story that Johnny hit her in the face. So she's facing prison time, gentlemen. Wow. And you know what? The you know you're gonna get what you sow, yeah, little, woman. You're gonna little, get what you little, sow. Little vindictiveness now. Oh Me no. Too. No, <laughs> whatever. You've just been coming after Johnny for weeks, and I'm tired of it. I've been in love with him for like most of my life. So hey, I, I've already said Johnny Depp starred in my probably my all time favorite Ed movie. Wood, yes, yeah. we, know. we know. I I I love him in that movie. He's, yes. he's he's Johnny Depp, and you know Johnny Depp was actually considered for the Mel Gibson role also. In signs, yeah, in signs. I actually, yeah. Tell me this story. Yeah, he was considered for it. I don't think I don't know like how far along it got. I I, I don't know if it was. Anything I've never more. even heard about this. Yeah, but he was one of the people that they were. I think they were just thinking about it. I don't think it ever got to a point where it was like where they made an, an offer, offer or something okay. like that. You know. Gotcha. But we are. It would have been Reverend Reverend Great, right? Yeah. Would have been in the role. <laughs> yeah, it would have been interesting to see him as uh, as. Hey, as, he's been. He's been. Church figures before in his movies. Well, has he? Sure. Ninth Gate. 
Oh yeah, the Ninth Gate. Yeah, that well, movie that, that you mess- hate. That was. A, well, I don't hate it. No, I don't hate it. <laughs> I don't. I don't hate it. it I, I. It's, um, it's a weird. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, speaking of, uh, you know, church figures, we just had our flash to Mel's really awful scene yeah, of where, where he lost died. his wife. We haven't really gotten fully to it. They're they, kind of hinted, like the wife and the aliens kind of run alongside each other in that way where they're hinted at most of the time yeah. throughout the movie. And, and, and you know that they're both there. You know that they both have a heavy presence, but you don't know exactly what's going on. Standby audience, we're getting some interference from one of just, our telephonic devices. Just a tad. We've bypassed a lot of uh, what's happening in the movie. At this point, Joaquin, the brother, Merrill, is totally on board with the children. And what's really funny is it's kind of like with Shaun of the Dead, like we discussed, gentlemen, because usually in a movie like Shaun of the Dead, the girlfriend's rather oh, unreasonable and all this other... Sh- what? I, I, I want to interrupt here because this is one of the touches I really, really liked. Is that Joaquin, like? Joaquin Phoenix describes to Mel Gibson? Yeah, they showed a bird flying into it, and it hit it, and the bird like broke its neck, and then it fell down. Like it's like the ship's still there, but it's invisible. Yeah, and I like the fact because normally in movies, the rule is show me, don't tell me. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want a character to tell me stuff. Show it to me, otherwise it's boring. Expositional. But but in this in this moment, it's useful as a character thing with Meryl. But I like the fact that they took a shot, if they had filmed it, if they had filmed, you know, a bird hitting a thing and breaking its neck and falling, mm-hmm. it would have looked probably comical. Yeah, and you also need for there to be this differentiation between Merrill and Graham. And they yeah. already had that with that big conversation where they see all the lights in the sky, as it were, with right, all the aliens. Yeah. Because Merrill looks at his brother, his older brother, who's he's now living at his house and helping him raise his children. Yeah. And he says, hey, can you just be you again the right, way you yeah. used to be? Yeah. We're like all steady and steadfast. Can you just be that guy again for a minute? And Mel tells him there are people who believe and people like we sort of touched on this, like yeah. people who believe and people who know that yeah. it's just nonsense right. and it's utterly random and whatever. And Meryl has a really sweet moment. Joaquin Phoenix, he goes, oh, I'm a miracle man. Yeah. Like those lights in the sky, those are a miracle. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because he winds up kind of on the side of the kids where he yes. seems a little bit simple yeah. and they're all wearing tinfoil hats together. Yeah. And they're like, this is so they can't read our thoughts. <laughs> yeah. and, and then Mel Gibson comes up with like, okay, you're reading this this book, right? Um, And... His kid, his son, is coming up with such reasonable explanations. Like, well, they're either here yeah. for like exploratory. <laughs> he got like stuff. the best book on UFOs ever. It's yeah, got everything on his in first it. Yeah. try too. Oh, and the guy, we cannot leave off the guy, uh, the crazy um, soda guy. So one of the thing, one of the articles that I read is talking about how cheesy uh, the dialogue can be in M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong movies, but it, that almost helps by yeah. alleviating with. You know, some funny moments. And what, what, one of the points is the book owner going, oh, yeah, they're just trying to they're trying to advertise sodas during all of this what, alien coverage. What I love about that, though, what I think is absolutely brilliant about that is the guy in the bookstore who looks kind of crazy. You know, like you said, he says, oh, this is just they're trying to sell sodas. I've seen 12 what, soda like ads. Yeah, but look at what he's doing. He's making a conspiracy theory 
to debunk aliens. Yep. And it, I thought that was so cool because it's like he's a conspiracy theorist, mm-hmm. but he's doing it to debunk aliens and the actual logical. It's like, well, that's stupid. That's <laughs> the, it's illogical that it's a soda thing. It's much more logical that it's aliens. Yeah. <laughs> like, In this case. I yes. love that. But now all the kids have uh, the tinfoil hats and Mel is even they're jumping at every little sound yeah. and they're reading this very logical book where either the aliens are there to sort of figure things out or they're there to be aggressive. Like yes. th- those are the only two options. Invasion. And, and Mel is we like, fight oh. them in the cornfields. <laughs> Mel we is like, fight them in the cellars. <laughs> Mel, Mel's awesome response to this is everybody in this house needs to calm down. They shot. need to eat some fruit or something. Lo- and then he just walks away. <laughs> I love this shot of just barely being able to see Mel through the open doorway. Oh, and his wife's, and, the and, last dress his wife was working yeah, on. Yeah, and, it, on and mannequin. It, he's on the phone with the guy who killed his wife, and the camera pulls back to see the dress of his wife as Mel turns. It's That's the thing. It's like M. Night knows how to do this stuff. I just, I wish that he would, I wish somebody else would write a script for him. And he would stop rushing himself. Yeah, because he was he was so acclaimed so quickly, and th- that's what ruins a lot of actors and a lot of directors is just that. Oh, you did Inception, you did this, you did that, like, and then the, everybody gets into a rush to be just as brilliant as they were with their last project, well, and it ruins them. Have either of you heard of a TV show? And I just learned of this today when I was looking up uh, M Night, uh, Wayward Pines. I've heard of it. I've never watched it. Looks, it. it looks like a very Twin Peaks yeah. kind of show. Um, you know, it's like FBI agent shows up in weird small town. From and, what I've heard. Yeah. yeah that's pretty um, much what it is. Yeah. I, I got to admit, I'm kind of thinking I might go watch some of it. Um, we're at now one of the other scary, <laughs> freaky scenes. That's like, that just shows how if you just barely show the aliens, they're much scarier. Well, because like, and here's the thing. No, the aliens, he doesn't even really get into it yet. So Mel has shown up at uh, the veterinarian's office, the vet yes. that killed his wife. and cause he, Which and, was hinted at so beautifully in the, in the beginning when, he, when the dog was sick. And he said, we'll take it to Dr. So-and-so. And the kid says, oh, he doesn't treat animals. Well, he'll, he'll know, still he'll, know, he'll know what, what to, to do, do because he won't take him to the vet yeah. because that's who killed his wife. But uh, the thing is... He goes to check on the vet because the vet actually called him first. So he called him right, back saying right. he must have had star 69 or something back in 2002. But um, he calls him back and then he's a good enough man that he goes to check on the guy who killed his wife. Yeah. Mel Gibson never lost his goodness. No, never. Not for a second. Yeah, he lost his faith, but he didn't lose his goodness. And he's, and that's what the movie's about. You know, ultimately, the, the the aliens, the stuff with his wife and her psychic visions and telling, you know, Maddie to swing away and all that stuff. It's all Meryl. about Meryl. It's all about getting Mel Gibson's character to find his faith. To reallocate again. himself. Yeah, yeah, because he once again, and here's a really big scene, gentlemen, is the fact that the vet has figured. And this is what kills me in a little, a little bit, too, because he is the villain of this movie. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Um, um, yeah. Okay. It was an accident. And it was apparently just, you know, from the heavens that he was supposed to kill it Mel's was wife. It was ordained. Yeah. It was supposed to be a sign yeah. that he killed Mel's wife because she's the one who told Meryl to swing away, tell the brother to look out for the little sister, all that other right. stuff. But here's where the vet is actually a villain. 
he's figured out the weakness of the aliens. And he doesn't go around telling people about it. He goes, I'm going to the lake because I think I figured out what they don't like. Well, he just says, I don't, I, I, I don't think they like water. I don't think he realized that he, that they would, that he'd he would figured kill it out. Them. Okay. You know, I, I think he, you know, he just made a connection that, well, none of those things are near water. I'm going to go to water. I don't but think they like water. Well, then that feeds to Mel's patience anyway. Or You'd think NASA would have come up with that. You, you <laughs> like somebody so. at, the, at the Pentagon would have gone, hey, guys. <laughs> but Mel, he keeps an open mind throughout the entire movie because he doesn't, he doesn't shut out anything that anyone tells him. Yeah. It looks like he's doing it at first. Cause he's like, my kids are being kids. They're being nonsensical, whatever. Be quiet. We're not going to watch TV. And with the vet, you'd think that he wouldn't listen to him at all. <laughs> well, but he just, I love that the vet just says all this, but I'm sorry. You know, I didn't, you know, I've never fallen asleep before behind the wheel. If it had been anywhere else, I would have ended up in the ditch with a headache. Anyway, so I'm going to go, by the way, don't go in my pantry. I captured an alien. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. And he, just, and he just lets him go. I would have said, well, wait, wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have you been in there? Why is that blood on your shirt? Yeah. You know, did the guy have big nails? Yeah. You know, does he have teeth? Sharp pointed teeth? All of yeah. these yeah. things. He didn't ask him anything. All of these things. Like, I am with the police. <laughs> I am a policeman. God. <laughs> no, but okay. Here, Here's the thing about the alien that Mel is about to encounter, gentlemen. I have a great personal story about this. So back when I was in college, I lived with several folks in one house and we all had a bunch of animals, dogs, cats running around. And we had this one cat and he did the thing that the alien in the pantry did is that whenever you would go and shut him out of a room, like especially if you were going to the restroom, you would shut the door and be like, all right. Yeah, in a minute. And no, the cat would not accept this. So he would put his little claws up underneath the door and rattle the door. No, not cool. And no, it was awful. It was terrifying. And I was like, this is just like in that no. Shamalama Ding Dong movie. No, not cool. Not cool, cat. No, it, it, he was an asshole. So, um, Cullen, shout out to you, buddy. <laughs> but well, anyway, I'm sure he's probably dead now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, he would do that. And I was just like, oh, my God. I Every time I watch Let, this movie, I think about that damn cat. We, we must pause now and talk about the, gra- the greatest scene in the movie. The scene mm-hmm. that scared the bejeepers out of me when I saw this in the theater. The Brazil birthday party. Yeah, scene. it's pretty rough. You hear all this yelling in Portuguese. and Yeah. yeah. Which is the scene, it is broadcast on the news in the movie, and it is uh, amateur footage of a birthday party, and it it shows screaming, scared people, um, birthday cakes, all that stuff, and it's a very, it's also a kind of claustrophobic shot, because you've got all the people in the way, and even, you know, Joaquin Phoenix is like, get out of the (laughs) way, vamanus, vamanus, (laughs) and then you're waiting for it, and it is a jump scare, but it's such a good jump scare because, oh, my God, his aliens. You finally saw one. And that's when you're really, God. really, you really confirm that it is aliens. It's an alien. It's, okay. Mel saw a weird leg disappearing yeah. into his corn crop. All right. Maybe you can explain that away. Yes. But no, not this time. It's, As it's the flight very- of the Concords would say, that was a mother flipping alien. <laughs> <laughs> well, and do you know why they did it that way? Because up until this movie, gentlemen, M. Night Shyamalama was not into CGI at all. He loved practical effects the most. Unfortunately, 
like it just didn't work out for him the way that he wanted the aliens to look. It was really difficult to make them. So he actually finally gave in to the CGI for this movie. But, and part of the reason of that is because he had to do it all in post. Yeah. So there was that. And the second part of it is when he first started the movie, he had, like I said, a live, like really tall, slender actress doing it. But then it just didn't look real. So he had to get more of a burly actor to stand in for it. Kick puncher. Yeah. Yeah, kick puncher is the reason. And what's brilliant about it is that scene where you see the alien happens immediately before Mel Gibson goes up to the pantry. And really discovers how real it is. And so now you know as the audience, from from uh, the standpoint of building tension and being scared, Mm -hmm. now you know when the doctor said, when the vet said, I caught one of them, it's in my pantry, you know, or whatever. So Now you know what the hell is in there. Wood and water are their weaknesses. Yeah. Well, they're not super, they can't, you know, I kind of like the fact that they're not super, you know, strong. It's not the predator. Well, no, but I've got, I've got research on that because my God, it's just like, okay, either break a window though. Maybe they can break windows. They can bust into your house, but they can't figure out that doorknob. They're not the raptors in Jurassic Park. That's well, he's got, he's got, he's got like a table leaning up against the door. You know, I know, but still, it's just you think, think it, it would at least rattle the door handle or something like that. But no, it uh, the the idea behind it apparently was either they're such intelligent aliens that you know you presume that they should know what the elements are on the planets that well, they're trying yeah, to invade, and, and, or or yeah. they just they they've traveled from so far and they're so desperate for minerals or whatever that they need of their own that they just have not encountered right. wood or water. Yeah, like those are the two presumptions. Uh, the scene when oh, he sticks really the knife clean under knife. the door. Yeah, I know that knife is super clean. I wonder what he uses. Probably OXO. <laughs> Oxyclean. Damn. Mr. Clean. I screwed it up. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. It's like it's 1999, but wait, there's more. No, but yeah. So but, now, as a, but as a pacifist, as a pacifist, he's using it merely as a mirror to look under the door instead of to stick the alien with it. Well, he right. quickly Which becomes a non-pacifist thought. with that knife. <laughs> yeah. I found their weakness. <laughs> if you chop their heads off, they die. <laughs> 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 chop uh, what is it destroy the brain <laughs> remove the head ah! oh yeah because oh no that, that that was a great moment ah! when it when the hand reaches out and then mel has to chop his fingers off and that there's some payoff for that yeah there to is the end of the movie yeah. gentlemen so that that does come full circle the, the, one of the creepier aspects of the movie and i don't i don't recall seeing this ever really brought up is that it's mentioned in the movie that they're like gassing people and taking them away but it doesn't really come full circle until you and, see And then the when the aliens alien. leave, it's sort of like, what the hell happened to all those people? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're, they're dead. Yeah. Because that was, that's the whole thing with Rory Culkin. And, and, and we're getting closer and closer to but the it would, but, but it killed him. It would have killed him because of his asthma. No, it wouldn't have killed him because of his asthma. Because oh, his that's lungs right, that's were right, too that's closed that's for right. him to actually take the poison into his lungs. So, um, spoiler alert, hindsighters, we were going to get around to that in a few more minutes, but yeah. So it, now Mel has really come full circle and he knows, he knows <laughs> yeah. physical proof, like beyond. What, which is nice. He's actually behaving not like a horror movie character, but he's actually behaving much more like a grounded, logical character where it's like, okay, I know you don't want to believe in this stuff. Right. 
Well, now, okay. Meanwhile, Joaquin is sitting in the corner with tinfoil hats with his yeah. children. <laughs> Apparently, they were playing cribbage or something. I don't, uh, I don't know if they were playing, but, you but know, uh, they're all, hop. They're all just trying. Joaquin is sitting at the house with the kids. He is kind of the mom in the situation where he'll stay home when, you know, Mel has to go out and figure out what's going on. Right. But he does have kind of a kid approach this whole scenario where everybody in the house is being logical just in their own way. Right. That's what's crazy is that like they all seem like they're behaving weirdly by putting tinfoil on their heads. But honestly, they're reacting to whatever information they can gather as fast as they can gather it. Yeah, they are being rational actors within the boundaries of of what they have. And the kids are freaking out. So, oh, and we need to go back to a couple of other of the other signs that have been happening. So what first happens is the animals freak out. You get the German Shepherd dog has to die because he's flipping out and he tries to kill one of the babies. So, yeah, he's got to go down. Secondly, Bo, the daughter. Oh, and there's another story behind this. So when Abigail Breslin tried out for this movie, her name is Bo in the movie. When she tried out, there was a dog present at her audition. Yeah. And it just fell in love with her when she was five Aww. years old and it tried to leave with her. Uh-huh. And guess what his name was, gentlemen? Bo. Really? Yes. Aww. So she took that as... A sign, but uh, she wound up getting the part. What a twist. What a twist. <laughs> but uh, so there was that. But uh, every single one of them, none of them are freaking out. The only time the no. family freaks out is when, because let's go at back dinner. to the dinner scene. Yeah, dinner. yeah. Where Mel is, he's like being the indulgent dad for a second because he's yeah. like, you know what? Screw it. Because he does tell his brother. He's like, you know what? I do think this is the end of the world. Yeah. So why not? Hey, what do you want for dinner? Pasta and mashed potatoes? Sure. Uh, what do you want? Uh, pancakes? Or it doesn't It doesn't matter. See, I don't think my wife would still let me have pasta and mashed potatoes, <laughs> even if it was the end of the world. What, what, what's your so take sad. on that, Mr. B? <laughs> I don't think my well, wife no, would... I, I thought- they felt he felt it was like their last meal, which I thought was kind of cool. But you're right, you know, we're, we're so used to to certain patterns, and and they, they they broke away from the pattern to give the kids whatever they wanted, which yeah. is always hard for parents to do. Well, then let me well let me break this to you: Is that because your wives do most of the cooking, gentlemen, or is that because your children are just used to what they're used to? Uh, well, my wife does most of the cooking because we like to eat food. I can, I, you know, I mean, I, I made the other day, um, I made mac and cheese for my son Aww. and he's eating it and he's like, dad, I don't know how you did this, but somehow you made mac and cheese worse than mom. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh no. Like, it, right. It's from a box. And he's like, well, it's, uh, you well, screwed I'm, it up somehow, Dad. I'm going to take personal responsibility for that one, Jason, because there was macaroni and cheese at my friend's giving. David yes. ate it. I yeah. know he did. And yeah. there's there's no better mac and cheese. Well, apparently there's mine not. sucks. Well, yeah, your dad. The only thing that Dad can make very well, and and I'm French toast. No eggs. I can make scrambled. Oh, okay. I can make scrambled eggs like you can't believe, and that's it. And that's <laughs> my thing. Saturday morning, I make scrambled eggs. There you go. That's my cooking. All right, what's your cooking, Mister Brown? What do you make for your kids when your wife isn't around? Uh, eggs every Saturday morning. I make scrambled eggs, and there you go. Yeah, I tell you, that's it. That's God. The, that's Man, that's useless. That thing. It's yeah. a father thing. Or pancakes. So, yes, no. Saturday morning is my cooking is, day, so I is, make pancakes or eggs. It is absolutely not a father thing because my dad did all the cooking when I was growing up. After my grandma passed away, my dad, like, 
He knows how to grill. He knows how to like make everything: mashed potatoes, green beans, yeah. like field peas. Like, See, that's weird. That that's unusual because I know with my dad, I remember like on the rare occasion when my mom would have something at night, you know, and it's like, <laughs> oh, uh, well, cereal. Well, no, it's like, well, what did you leave for us to eat? Oh, well, your father's going to cook something, and it's like, oh, dear, oh, dear no. God, no, no, please, toast. Unless he's going to go <laughs> on the grill. Because my dad could cook on the grill. Yeah, most guys can cook on the grill. But if but it wasn't on the grill, it was not great. Oh, my. <laughs> it was, it was not good. <laughs> See, All right. Next time your women are out of town, gentlemen, just let me know, and I'll pack you a dinner for your children. Like, that's um, just, just When our women are out of town, we get, like, hamburgers from a restaurant. Oh, right. We get beers uh, but from a they restaurant. Don't have, yeah. They don't have those anymore, Jason. Oh, that's true. We live in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Yeah, I was actually offering you a service that yeah. isn't being offered by restaurants See, anymore. that's what pisses me off about this whole <laughs> pandemic thing. You know, because we're, like, we're in the end of the world sort of thing. And it's like the boring end of the world. We don't have aliens. We don't have Nazis marching on. You know, we just have, you know. I've seen endless memes where it's like, I wanted zombies, damn it. Yeah, no shit. And all I got was a virus. I know. I just wish the coronavirus was big enough so I could shoot at it. (laughs) Then I wouldn't mind. I'd sit up on my roof with a rifle and just shoot coronavirus all day. I think all three of us would be good at that because all three of us possess firearms. And all three of us are well, you know, trained in hand-to-hand combat. But uh, and no, I watched, we can't fight a virus. And, and, and I watched six Police Academy movies this weekend, Ooh, so, so I am, I'm prepped. Don't don't try it, trolls. <laughs> are, don't try are it. You, are you Cackleberry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God. It was a very, very good movie. And they made <laughs> many, many, many sequels. Of course. <laughs> All right. But... They are funny, except... <laughs> Never mind. Now, see, I'm the, uh, of the three of us, I'm the one uh, accomplished cook on top of everything else. I do firearms, and I can do hand-to-hand combat, and I can cook hindsiders. You're the complete package during a (laughs) post-apocalyptic environment. She's literally a triple threat. I'm (laughs) post-apocalyptic Barbie. That's what I am. So, all right. Yeah, the post-apocalypse. Apocalypse for the apocalypse. (laughs) Yeah, whatever that (laughs) is. Is that what you were trying to do? Yes, it's it's Agamemnon. Um, Anyway, uh, I I do have to bring it back to the movie because these guys are really exceptionally bad at boarding up their house. Yeah, this is the (laughs) A-team moment when they they do a badge. Well, here's the thing. They don't have a lot of wood. And they have a huge house with a lot of windows. And they have a big house with a lot of windows. But, But there's, see, there's a side table. There's yeah. there's a bunch of wood that you could use, but it doesn't even matter. They I feel so badly for them because they go through all of this effort to nail up the windows, and then two seconds <laughs> yeah, into two it, seconds an alien into breaks yeah. into the damn house. Yeah. But uh, we have reached the di- the dinner scene actually, uh, where even tough scene to watch. Well, even Meryl is trying to be the voice of reason because yeah. the little girl Bo, she's like, "I want spaghetti," and he goes, "No, honey, we need to do something quick, like sandwiches or something." and the, then Mel's like, you know what? Screw it. Spaghetti sounds great. <laughs> He's yeah. just down for whatever. Ice cream and spaghetti. And, yeah, it's you know. the it's the ultimate like fantasy meal. Whatever you want, because he See, thinks they're gonna die. Yeah, I would have. If- Look at the shot here, though. I mean, you got the profile of Mel yes. and the three the mm. three kids blurry, and it just racks right to them. The focus, it, it's just it's a beautiful a lot of good shot stuff in here. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it really it, it it it's stuff that you don't get. Like really cinematic language, 
you know. Well, um, and here, I'm going to go back to the kitchen right for a second because all the bowls, all the onions, all the broken eggs. Gentlemen, I know that y'all don't really cook beside eggs, but my God, that meal, that many varieties of food took hours to make. Yeah. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. That took a hot minute. So that... Even that cinematography right there was very important. I think knowing that they have the coal cellar, I probably, that's where I would have holed up. And I wouldn't have bothered boarding up the house. Just 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 board board up up the the, actual. Yeah, the one door to the coal cellar. Yeah, the one means of ingress. Yeah, yeah. you would think. But, uh, well, you know. Well, you, you see in the old comedy routines, whenever they board up the door and then the, the bad guy opens up the door because yeah. you're supposed to board it when the door... <laughs> they board it in they, the they wrong direction. Do, they board it, you'll see in a few minutes, they actually board it in the wrong direction. I'm like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> I was waiting for the alien to come through and then, you know, like, oh, they throw everything and run away, but uh, it didn't happen. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> well, because this movie is a weird juxtap- juxtaposition where, like, you think growing up as a kid that your dad knows certain skills and your mom knows certain skills and yeah. they pertain to their gender precisely. And that's not exactly true. Oh, Bo's like, crying. I hate that. I know. She's crying because, well, her daddy's flipping out and he's like ruining their dinner. Right. <laughs> it's, it's really because Well, because that, that's the thing. It's and ulti- she's only five right now. Yeah. In real life. Yeah. Breslin was only five years old. Frank, Frank Frank Herbert, the the guy who wrote Dune, and it's actually I think it's actually in Dune. He says that the worst moment in um, in any in, <laughs> dragging in, Meryl yeah, into I the love, family hug. Yeah. <laughs> the worst moment in any young man's life is when he realizes that his dad is just a guy like everybody else. Oh God! And I've always thought that is so true. You know, because when you're a little kid, like you. Yeah, it's like Superman. Yeah. You know? And then you realize he's not. And then the worst thing happens is when you have kids and you realize that he was faking it. Oh. Because that's what we do as parents. Like, there is no manual. We're just faking it. We're just like, I don't. Kids having kids, Morty Jr. Well, it's just, I don't don't know what to do. Oh, they're playing Fallout. Okay. Well, while you got distracted from that. So they were still at the meal. And these poor Culkin children. So let me flash back for a second, Jason, to our episode with Cece, where Macaulay Culkin is trying to... right, he is boarding it up the wrong way. (laughs) No, he's totally boarding it up the wrong way. Um, But um, so in uh, Home Alone, Macaulay Culkin makes himself a bowl of macaroni and cheese, and he's about to eat it, and it's his Christmas dinner, and he's all alone, and he's like nine years old, and he doesn't even get to eat his macaroni and cheese before the wet bandits come and ruin his meal. Same thing with this Culkin kid, with Rory Culkin. They're all about to sit Aww. down. Mel, like, stabs up a bunch of their food, and then they hear the, like, crackling on the baby monitor, and none of them get to eat. Right. And I was just like, damn, these Culkin kids don't ever get to eat. Like, it's a mess. You know, yeah, they, they can't pour anything up to save probably, Well, that's probably why all the Culkin kids are train wrecks. They just, their expectations have never been met, and they... Turn to drugs. Their caloric intake has just always been off state. It's been, <laughs> it's been off. These poor kids, my God. But yeah, um, even I saw that when I was watching this gentleman. I was like, do they know that that door opens outwards and that boarding it up on this side is useless? I mean, it doesn't it, make any sense. It, it would make it inconvenient. For the it aliens. would because you still have to tear through. The aliens would go, oh, come, come on. Get this thing out of my way. Who even knows? But like, uh, 
but go on with your point, Jason, about like uh, parenthood. Because well, I'm yeah, sure no. Adam has some pointers about. Yeah, this I'm, I'm sure Adam will, uh, or Mr. B will uh, will agree with us on this, or agree with me on this one. Is that you know, when you have kids, you realize all the times your parents said stuff to you, and they said it with such certainty. Like mom and dad know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They've seen this a million times by God, and they know exactly what to do. And it's yes, this this works. And then you realize, like, holy crap! No, you're just making the best decision you can at any given moment with whatever you've got available to you, and God. somehow it tends to work out. And you know, like, how does that work? Yeah, for you that's exactly. That's exactly. No, it's exactly right. There is no easy manual. When we were growing up as kids, there was no manual except Dr. Spock's book, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now there's a billion, so you don't have time to read them. See, you, you do just wing it. But I do, I do tell my kids sometimes, you know, they're old enough now. It's like, listen, we're trying this. But I'll tell you right now, there's no instruction book. I don't know if it's going to work, but let's just give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, we'll try something a little bit different. I try yeah. to manage your expectations yeah, appropriately, yeah. you know. There you go. No, the uh, the dinner scene, by the way, they filmed that in uh, three hours. Really? Yeah, three hours. It's impressive. They, they, they shot that. Um, Considering how emotional it is and how yeah. much detail there was to it. And yeah. I, I'm guessing that was just one day. They set everything up. You know, they get everybody in there. Three hours. They ta- They do all their takes. And it's done. And that's pretty damn impressive, especially for a scene with two kids in it. Yeah, because the kids... Do a surprisingly they do. fantastic job, not an adequate job. Both kids deliver. Oh yeah, no, in no. This Bo- movie. Both it's... of the kids in this movie, Rory Culkin and I can't remember the name of the little girl, Abigail Breslin. Yeah, they both absolutely do marvelous. And like you said, she's five years old. And I think honestly, part of this is because this is before Mel's crack up. I know y'all are going to make fun of me for my Mel tombstone humor or whatever. But, no, look, um, I love Mel Gibson. I do too. I love Mel but, Gibson. Uh, and I know I've made inappropriate jokes about him, but I actually do respect him as an actor, especially the, and let's be fair here, gentlemen, the guy has 10 children in real life. He, so I think that really, I am a Roman Catholic. <laughs> he... been since I was born. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, he's an Aussie, as we know, originally, but and not that that has anything to do with it. It's just that he was kind of, he had kind of that Bon Jovi feel because Bon Jovi mm-hmm. has something like seven or eight children with his wife. And Mel Gibson was married to the same woman for a very long time, considering it was a Hollywood marriage. But yeah. he's got something like 10 kids. You know, it is actually kind of interesting. You know, that makes me think, though, like given the character being somebody who's lost his faith and that's really what the movie's about, what we know about Mel Gibson, say what you will about him, he is an incredibly devout Catholic. Yeah. And, and so that must have been kind of oh, an yeah. interesting thing for him Play, I think he probably brought something to the role that maybe another actor wouldn't have brought. Right, because almost when we talk about Clint Eastwood and Paul Newman being the possible alternatives before Mel was brought on, Paul Newman would have played... You know, a Catholic so well. Because Paul Newman could do the wholesome thing super well. Clint Eastwood would have been a bit of a mixed bag, just like <laughs> just like Mel Gibson, would because a he's a badass. Movie. Yeah, it would have been a different would movie. Would have been a different movie yeah. altogether. He would have killed all the aliens before they even decided to set foot on yeah. the Earth. He would, he, <laughs> he would have shot every alien in the face. <laughs> I gotta ask you one question. <laughs> There would have been a, there would have been a model twenty nine Smith and Wesson in this film. Yeah. <laughs> it was in it for sure. Exactly. Them, them aliens don't mean doodly squat. No, but <laughs> what uh, movie? Outlaw Josie Wales. Uh, 
I've never seen it. Oh, uh, you've never seen Josie Wales? No. Oh, Josie Wales. Whooped him again, huh, Josie? Oh, the fingers. Sorry. The, yeah. the alien's fingers came up underneath the door again. My cat used to do that, and I swear to God, guys. Like, it, I was like, you've got to stop that. That's from that movie. Yeah. <laughs> and See, I... Uh, I'm telling you, if this was in uh, Georgia, we would have been in the basement with a lot of guns pointed at the door. Come on in, aliens. We wouldn't. No, we wouldn't have <laughs> started. On. We wouldn't have started up there because that's a good way to get yourself trapped in a foxhole. Well, in that, Georgia, yeah. There, most of us don't have coal shafts yeah, to escape true. through. So that, that Georgians are much more strategic than that. And you're from Louisiana. You should know better yeah. too. Well, we don't have basements. Period. Yeah, you yeah, can't. We, yeah, we can't have <laughs> a basement Louisiana. at all. Yeah, which, uh, which makes tornado season uh, very thrilling. Because we don't have baseball. Well, they probably yeah. would have had yeah. they probably would have had their infrared or starlight scopes right up on the roof and just <laughs> yeah. pick them off before they even <laughs> got within a hundred yards of the house. Yeah, there there'd be some dude in South Georgia with alien heads on sticks around his house. Oh, but <laughs> y'all uh, come back now. Before we drift past the whole tornado thing, gentlemen, how did y'all fare the other night with let our me, awful let, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Um, or multiple tornadoes, really. That was um, I was up till about four in the morning. Yeah. Um. I, I was in, I was in my shop and I had the, um, I had the, oh no, are we out of alcohol? I've got plenty more. <laughs> it's okay. I got tons more. Fact, I'm going to, I'm going to go get one. Okay. Um, and I'd like one if you're going to, if we're going to take a break, but tell your story and then well, you we'll know get what? back to the rest. Why don't we do, why don't we do that? Let's, uh, let's take a break. All right. We're going to take a break, Mr. Brown. So whatever you need to do. We'll be back in about one second. All right. So we're back, Hindsiders, and we're in a really intense part of the movie. Because like we talked about, uh, a lot of us would hide in our basements if it came down to it with aliens chasing us throughout our house, especially since we don't know how to board it up. But the problem is that they have this coal shaft that they've only just now <laughs> thought about. Yeah, how long have they lived in this house? <laughs> I You gotta want Because by the time you're growing corn and you're a farmer, you tend to know every inch of your house. Yeah. Am I wrong about that? I've never been a farmer, personally. I, lo- I, love, but... the, I love the hard shadows uh, in this scene. All the shadows are just so well-defined. It, it really... Tech Fujimoto... No, he he, he, literally, he did a great job. He did a fantastic job of claustrophobia meets too much open space because you can only see beyond the corn stalks. You can only see beyond the beam of the flashlight, but yeah. there's so much more space beyond that that you can't account for. It's freaking horrifying. Yeah. This movie's so intense. I just have to think, you know, at the moment when they're trying to force the door open and putting about five or six well-aimed 223s through the door well, see, <laughs> shooting that's what I alien because you know? see even as a farmer like even if you're a pastor or a reverend whatever as a farmer got a gun. you have to have at least one gun because yeah. unfortunately you're putting down animals on occasion when well, you it's abs- a, well it's also you got varmints that too yeah, yeah the so, fox fox and the chicken Chicken yeah, coop, yeah. Talks. yeah. You, you've got, you've got. Oh, 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 here we go with Rory Culkin oh, yes. in front of the coal shaft. Oh yes. God, it's Rory Culkin and the and the alien hand reaches. It's Michael out Jackson <laughs> 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 reaching for the ghost of your brother. Oh wait, Macaulay's still alive. Never mind. <laughs> but yeah, it just. Oh, that was so awful. And the, this is where the signs, as it were, really, really start tightening in on the story yeah so because you find out from the beginning um the little girl Bo, she she doesn't like the taste of the water so and i don't know since i've never had children gentlemen but is that something that kids do because she leaves those different glasses of water all throughout the house like this one doesn't taste right and 
this one's stale or whatever. Uh, and it's now, it's not specifically something a kid would do, but I could see kids doing they, shit like that. Well, well, my kids always leave half-filled bottled waters everywhere, and it's always frustrating because you yes. never know who drank from them, so you got to pour them out. Oh yeah, or or when you when you see a Coke can or a Sprite can somewhere and you pick it up and it's like totally full. <laughs> see, uh, okay, now see, I deal with that at home with a grown ass man, so maybe okay, maybe, yeah. maybe that's a, just something that people do. Who but knows? oddly enough, with me, that's not a problem because the cans I drink, I'm very concerned about making sure I drink every drop of them. Because yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, is there anything? Yeah, is there anything left in that beer? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not wasting any of that. Well, he, no, no, see, here's where Mel's, like, I think his parental instincts with his, you know, 10-ass children that he's got in real life really kicks in because he's he, he doesn't have to act to be No, like he looks father. like dad. No, he yeah, does he look, look like, like dad, dad, especially yeah. his one little boy who has asthma, and he's just like, all right, buddy, meet my breathing. We're just going to breathe together. We're just one person, and yeah. that's it. And, like, well, and, it's, it's, it's a sweet, touching moment. And, and it's so cool that this is a scene where they're being attacked by aliens, but the tension, the drama, is the little boy's asthma. Yeah. And somehow he does that where it works, and it, it's... Like, I, I don't want to come across as, like, an apologist for M. Night because I'll never forgive him for Lady in the Water. Um, I never saw it, but I heard it was gone. No, nobody saw it. <laughs> I, I think I was... You're me, one of the few me, guys me, who went down yeah, that rabbit hole? I actually went with a friend of mine who specifically went to watch and enjoy the misery that I would go through watching the movie. He literally... <laughs> he was like, like these, Jason. Yeah, he's like, I just... He knew what the movie was. My and God. so he's like, oh... I was so excited. Okay. Because I like Paul Giamatti also. Yeah, know. who doesn't? I mean, it. Everybody but, likes Paul Giamatti. Come they on. They do. But I think Joaquin and Mel do both do a great job of just being parental figures. And yeah. even though Joaquin is like, I don't really know what's happening, <laughs> I'm just here to, you yeah. know, hold you in case your dad's not available. But yeah. And that. I'd go into combat with either one of them. Wow. That's that. It's that sort of, you know, yeah. They, no, they're good. Yeah, they'll be cool. They'll be, they'll they'll, they'll no, keep their heads. Rigs won't be cool. Rig, yeah, Riggs, Riggs, he yeah. blows his top all the time. Damn it! Uh, uh, but yeah, it, it you can you can tell that they're and and that's the truth with every actor. Some things are easier to do for some than there are others. Like some people can't cry on screen. Right. Some people can't kiss on screen. Some people like it doesn't matter what it is. Right. But Mel, oh, he's a dad. Yeah. All day long. And you can see that in this performance because he's like, we forgot his medicine. And th- and it's like you said, Jason, because it, it, they, they do figure out, the guys, uh, Joaquin and Mel, they're like, oh, they're making noise. They're trying to make us think that they're breaking in. And that's how they grab uh, right. Rory Culkin yeah. through the coal thing in the first place is that that's the one point of ingress that they have. Right. And then we break to the the hardest scene to watch yeah, the, the dream, entire The dream sequence movie. where Mel remembers his wife dying. It's Which, not a dream sequence. No, it is. Because they, they turned all the flashlights off and he went to sleep. Oh, all, all, oh, I all, see. I, yeah. No, it really happened, but yeah, now yeah, he's dreaming he's, about he's it. He's okay, dreaming yeah. and he's I was remi- like, no, yeah, it yeah. really happened. Yeah, so. he's remembering it in his dream. Gotcha. Yeah. A, a flashback, so yeah. to speak. Yes. And it's such a just it's creepy. Brutal. You know, uh, one, I wanted to go back real quick. You know the whole story you told about whenever the kids were born? Oh, we already passed yeah. that, yeah. and that was, and that reminded me of my dad because you know that's true though. What do that, you mean? That with M Knight's kids, 
Like he that whole the whole the stories he told. Yeah. Really? That's yep. what happened to his children? Yep, yep, yep. I didn't know that. I, I yeah. went down my rabbit hole and I did not find that. So that's but it but it reminded me of my dad because he's always been like the super calm he is Mr. Rogers, no joke. So when I, just, I was I don't want to interrupt you. But, but you're this, gonna. But I'm going to. In this scene, if you look at the camera movement and the POV, uh-huh. the the camera is moving, and we're we're seeing Mel's point of view. Yes, it was a dream. Ha ha. But it's it's <laughs> also a flashback because it really did happen. I know. I know. So, okay. But he was dreaming it. No, he was. Uh, he was remembering it in his sleep. That's different. As opposed, here I'll tell you what a dream is, Jason and Adam. I had another stage nightmare last night about much do about nothing. Damn. I don't know why it keeps happening. Oh, no. I don't know if it's quarantine, <laughs> but it's always a matter of you gentlemen. Because you're, tra- like, you're trapped in, a, in some situation you wish you weren't in. Probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no. I actually very much enjoyed that show with both of you. But um, it was it was horrifying because y'all put the show back together and it was almost like Lollapalooza where there were multiple plays going along in multiple stages and... I, you didn't tell me that it was happening, so I didn't have the time to rehearse, and I was just so, and my makeup was messed up, and everything went wrong, and I was just like, "Oh God!" I uh, see. Isn't that weird? Because I have dreams. In fact, I actually had a dream like this, like a couple nights ago, where I I have a dream where I'm back in college, mm-hmm. and like, and they don't let you graduate. No, like I realize it's the end of the semester, and. Oh my God! There was like a class that I'm in that I never even went to, and I oh, I still I, have those too. Yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely have those dreams, which is funny because yeah. I, I like I speak Spanish, but I dream that I never passed Spanish in college, and that's so crazy to weird. me. And I'm it, like, <clears throat> no, I have dreams like that, and between that and uh, much ado about nothing, apparently that's what quarantine is doing to me, gentlemen. I, I do want to go back though to talk about the tornado thing because we, we promised the ladies and oh, gentlemen yes, at home. Oh yes, 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 yes. So yeah, whenever it started to come in, because um, <clears throat> my family is back in Louisiana and mm-hmm. I've got family in Monroe, so earlier in the day, um, we had had to check in on my uncle because he's is very near to where the tornado hit in Louisiana. Oof. And I've got some friends in Hattiesburg, and Hattiesburg got hit really hard. And it was sort of a Mel Gibson dad thing, because my son is terrified. Unbelievably terrified of tornadoes. I mean, to the, to the point that, I mean, it's like, I mean, he, he can't function. He's so oh. scared. So, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine. It's going to be okay. And then it's like. Get him to bed. When y'all have a garage, well, we have a basement. basement. We have a, you have a basement. Yeah, we have a basement. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, and you know, it's like I told him. I said, "Look, buddy, if if it was that bad, wouldn't I be? I wouldn't even be letting you go to bed in your room. I'd be you'd be in the basement going to sleep yeah, in the dad's couch. Dad's not freaking out. You. That's what I'm be trying to do. Out. Yeah, yes. I'm literally mm. just trying to like do the whole. Ah, it's mm. fine. Don't worry about it. Yep. And then, starting at about midnight. I, I'm, I'm in the workshop and I, I turn on the TV to WSB TV because I love their weather team. Right. Um, and for four hours, it's just, you know. Doom and gloom. It's doom and, and gloom. Yeah. And literally to the point, God help those poor people in South Georgia. Because I oh, at, yeah. at, a, at about three o'clock in the morning, when that one long track tornado hit, mm-hmm. 
and the weatherman, and I can't remember his name, and I should, because um, I really like the guy. He's totally calm the whole night. He's just saying, okay, if you're in this well, if, <laughs> if you're in this place, you need to take shelter. If you're in this place, you take shelter. Yeah. When that thing hit, and all of a sudden he's like, listen to me. This is the big show. Mm-hmm. If you're in this area, get to shelter, because you're going to die yeah. if this thing hits you. We, and it crossed three counties. Yep. We we hit that around wow. uh, 2 a.m. Uh, so uh, the thing with my parents is that when I was one year old, I was alone at the house of my grandmother and my brother, who would have been about two at the time. My brother, not my grandmother. Yeah. That would have been weird. That but be weird. Um, no, so my grandmother's alone at the house with us during a tornado. She's at least, you know, wise enough to take us into the, the the best room to keep us protected. It was like a downstairs bathroom or yeah. something. And the the actual ceiling of our house, like the roof got ripped off Ugh. of it. And my dad wasn't there. My mom wasn't there. So like during this, I and I'm the youngest baby yeah, yeah, yeah. of my parents at 32 years old now. But my parents were up till two, three in the morning. Are you awake? Are you, do you know what to do? Yeah. Do you know where to go? Yeah. <laughs> like they were freaking out. And I was like, we each know which, which dog we're grabbing. <laughs> well, see, and that's, we're that's, going into our bathroom. But like that, that's what we're that doing. That is the thing though. When, you know, going back to the whole thing about, you know, realizing your parents were, were making it up is like, I'm in they my, weren't there to help when they, it's when they, like, yeah, I'm, I'm in the basement watching this stuff and I'm just like, dad's not here. Mm-hmm. You know, like the decision to, Go upstairs because we've had to do it before in the past. Yeah. When we first moved to Georgia, we, a few weeks after we had moved, we were, we had gone out to dinner or something. We came back and we were, we had pulled the car into the garage and we were, and David was a little baby at the time. Mm. And we got him out and there was a police car. There was a police uh, uh, siren going and I didn't think anything about it. And uh, all of a sudden I realized like, Wow, that siren isn't stopping. Yeah. And then I went, that's not a police car. That's a tornado. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that was pretty uh, pretty terrifying. But anyway, let's, the ladies and gentlemen. You we're know, all want, alive. Yes, we're all alive. Uh, Mr. Brown's been in his bunker for like a month now, so we know he's alive. Let's, so that's good. <laughs> let's watch where I kind of think the movie sort of falls apart. Okay, why though? The all, right, al- but, but, all right, but Darth will do her Darth thing. So for uh, we've talked through a bit of it. So now we're finally the part. The aliens they broke into the house. Hindsiders, yeah. Louis Gossett Jr. Alien is, uh, is <laughs> so. Um, the the whole thing is that the family's been holed up in the basement for the night, and the major problem that's happening is that Rory Culkin, uh, Morgan, the son. He's had a major asthma attack because yes. he's actually been physically grabbed by an alien, and so he he can't breathe. And they forgot to bring his uh, uh, inhaler down to the basement, and they have to get him like what an epinephrine pen or yeah, something yeah. like that uh, to take him upstairs to actually make him instantly better, or else he's going to have really yeah. major ramifications. So they take him upstairs. Meanwhile, Mel is flashing back to the day that his wife died and now the signs, as it were, coming together because his wife, 
He does mention this earlier in the movie where he goes, Meryl, do you know what the last thing that Colleen said to me was? She told me, swing away, Meryl, swing away. And when that happened, it must have been utterly heart shattering because he goes, she just flashed back to some game of Her neurons were firing in her brain as she died. And she just flashed back to some game that we went to of yours. And she said, swing away, Meryl, swing away. And yeah. so he doesn't even feel like his wife even knows that he's there when she's right. dying. And then meanwhile, now he's facing off with an actual extraterrestrial who's threatening to yeah. poison his son with gas from its wrists. Yeah. Um, Bo, the little helpless five-year-old, is standing in the corner. And then Meryl is standing next to the bat that he swung yeah. a record with. Well, and it it's the moment when Mel makes the change where his neurons start to fire well where he where he says it wasn't just a coincidence it was a sign there is someone looking out for us yes and he tells meryl swing away yes and meryl doesn't just swing away he breaks the fucking bat oh yeah (laughs) well no he not and not even like at first too he because mel tells him twice swing away meryl and at first, Meryl doesn't get that. Then he goes, Meryl, swing away. Swing yeah. away. So then Meryl gets yeah. his, you know, record-breaking bat off of the living room wall. Yeah. And the one they thing talk we, about that it, earlier yeah. in the movie. And He's, the one thing we know is that that man can swing a bat with a hell of a lot of power. Oh, yes. because yeah, 507 feet. <laughs> which is insane. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. like some strike zone power right there. But, yeah. um so you see uh, Rory Culkin apparently get poisoned, which sucks, <laughs> and Bo screams. But then all the glasses of water that yeah. Bo has been leaving around the house, it that's another sign because water turns out to be the alien's weakness. Yeah. I also think being beaten to death with a baseball bat that, might be that their will weakness. Hurt. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it will like, smart. <laughs> the water clearly hurts the bad CG It alien. burns. Yeah, it burns. Well, because once again, I, I think I said this earlier in the episode, is that M. Night Shyamalama did not like CGI. Right. He had to add them all in post. And that was part of this whole thing is that the water yeah. worked out and the only <laughs> the only real part of any alien gentleman that ever happened was the hand yeah. that reached under the door and they used the same hand to like shoot the poison into Rory Culkin's face. Yeah. And I like the that, only thing. I like that Mel takes his kid outside. Well, his brother and, and is just and alone it's sort of in the like, living room. It's like, Meryl, you got this right. <laughs> With like, the baseball yeah, bat. Yeah, I got it. I'm going to be just fine. I, I, I'm going Joker on this asshole. Uh, for real. No, he's going Harley Quinn because yeah. he's got a baseball bat. Oh, but, no, water. Yeah, water. He's the Wicked Witch of the West. He's melting. And, you know, I, I feel like if people could get past the water thing more. God, and I love broke that. The, that I love that. No, I love that the bat broke and almost none of the glasses broke. Yeah, well. Despite the fact that Joaquin Phoenix hey, is hitting him with a bat. We can't, we can't forget that the alien had a vendetta, right? Yeah, it was it personal. Was the one that had his fingers chopped. Yeah. It had the fingers chopped off early yes. in the movie. Same one. So this he time, was after. He was after personal. revenge. Well, and let's go ahead and get a little personal with this gentleman, because Jason, you were just making fun of this. Like, if I uh, like put yourself in the same scenario, if you had to get your children out of the house, oh no question, 
And you had to no leave question. your brother in there? Yeah. No. Get and, your children and, and, the hell and, out of the house. And if my brother did the same thing, it'd be like, dude, get him out of here. Yeah, yeah, go. Like, kill me if I'm a zombie. Absolutely. No, I'm fine, dude. <laughs> like, get the babies out of the yeah. house. No, I'm going I'm to kill this alien with a baseball bat. Yeah. You like, know. Adam, how do you feel about that? Oh, oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's you got to get the kids to safety and do what you can because they're the next generation. Yeah, hey, Meryl's had a long life. Just take them <laughs> yeah. on and do the best you can. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but yeah, that, that's that's exactly it. You got to keep well, the kids alive. And isn't that kind of the contract of marriage? Like, once you've had children, you're like, okay. Whoever, I mean, obviously you have your stereotypical dad trope where he's supposed to protect the family, but I mean, honestly, whoever's whoever's yeah. the blockade in that moment, the other one needs to get the children the hell out Look, of the, the situation. The, the truth is when you're a dad, you know, when you become a dad, all of a sudden you're, you literally start looking at mortality from the standpoint of, all right, 18 years, 20 years. If I get that long, I'm good. Yep, I'm after, <laughs> after that, yeah. after that, but I got to make it that far. Yeah. You know, I got to make it that far. And, but after that, you know, look, I mean, if I get hit by a bus when my kid's 21, they're on their own, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and let's it's gravy, it's yeah. gravy after that. Yeah. Yeah. Now they'll figure it out. Like even, we, even Ryan Reynolds has made the joke, gentlemen, Deadpool, uh, cause he has a ridiculously beautiful wife and he's been asked on several late night shows like, Oh, well, you know, you make jokes about being a dad and like, you know, burying your kids in sand and stuff on Twitter. Uh, what would you do if your children were actually in trouble? And he's like, are you kidding me? I would use my wife as a human shield oh, yeah. to protect, protect my kids. children. <laughs> so now, I wouldn't know anything about this. The, the, the movie ends, and I think this sums it up all just beautifully. And ironically, at the same time. Well, the... After, I recognize after, Mel's flaws. After just, everything that happens, what do we see? What is what is the change in the character? It's it not is, just the change in the character; it's the change in the weather. So, like, the, yeah, the it's blanket showing white that the seasons snow. have changed. No, yeah. not just that; it's the blanket white snow. So it's a new slate. Yeah, it's a new. It, like, it's like it's, a purification. Yeah, yeah. and then purification. Mel, Mel yeah. is a father again. He's yeah. got his uh, he's got his collar back on. He's a father again. So and and you know, ultimately, that is really what the movie is about. It's about him finding his faith again. You yep. know, and realizing. All of you that know, added up because even yeah. when, when he's outside and he does have his children, he's like, oh, my God, uh, he had to have asthma. Morgan had to have asthma or else the poison would have right. into his lungs. My like, wife had to die. My wife had to die, because, so I would tell exactly. Meryl to swing away. Yeah. He had to have asthma. And like uh, more, uh, not in Morgan Bow, like she had to not like the water and like everything just clicks in his head. Yes. And he knows it goes back to that original conversation between him and Joaquin where Joaquin is like, can you go back to being that guy? Yeah. And he does. He does. And he does. And that's what the movie is all about. It's all about one man losing his faith and getting it back again. And the the fact is that the aliens were just the vehicle for that to occur. Well, and he's been bullied by the entire town in a weird way because even the little girl, the like 14 year old who's doling out medicines at the pharmacy, yeah, Tracy, yeah. Uh, Schmidt's girlfriend from uh, New Girl, and she was also on The Walking Dead for about, but um, she's like, 
father, can I confess my sins in case the world's ending? Like everybody is just yeah. bullying him into being father yeah. Hess again. Well, because they all see him. That's who he is. Yeah. And he's trying to be somebody he's not. And they're, they're yeah. trying to sort of write that, yeah. write the ship as it yeah. were, because they know that's who he is. Yeah. But. And that was signs by M. Night Shyamalan. Sh- something. Um, yes. And. Uh, and that was another episode. No, well, we have to go off to Seinfeld because I was two thousand and two. I was young enough to have a very different perspective on this one. So it's kind of easy for me because I saw it in two thousand two, okay. and I was twenty three. It, it's a solid five because it's just as just good to me. It's just as good to me today as it was, you know, twenty years ago, okay. almost twenty years ago. All right, Mister Brown. Well, he just saw it. Oh, that's right. Four and a half yeah, hours well, ago. That's but okay. now, hold on. Hold on. My, my first reference to this film, I was sitting in a cafe uh, with drinks and two models for <laughs> each arm, and it was fantastic. Even though I hadn't seen the movie, all references to it are now summarized by that particular situation I that I was in, which was absolutely wonderful. That would have been a, a super Seinfeld. Because you know me, I'm a nerd. How often am I surrounded by beautiful women? And now I'm alone. Well, that's good to know, Mr. Brown. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I'm not surrounded by them. I'm just, you were just adjacent to me. But nevertheless, the movie, I did did enjoy, I did enjoy the movie. And I'm going to give it, I will give it a a six. Okay. All right. That's fair. Um, Given the fact that I saw this when I was on the younger age of high school, uh, it scared the ever-living shit out of me when I first saw it, and I hated it for that reason, because I do not like scary things. Now, the older I've gotten, the better I've done with scary movies. Uh, but honestly, this one, it just it's a jump scare. It, kind of like uh, Final Destination. You never exactly know when something's going to pop up and surprise you. Uh, but I I ugh, I was not a fan when I first saw it, and I like it a lot better now because I see, you know, I, all the parental qualities and everything that Mel's doing to protect his children, and the fact that Joaquin Phoenix is a young man who lives with his older brother and he's trying to make his life better. And ugh, I think I'm just hanging out with too many mature gentlemen these days. Uh. I, th- I think that's part of the problem. But uh, honestly, I see it from a more mature standpoint, and I like it. I like it so. Um, originally it probably would have been about a three because it scared the shit out of me. But now, uh, yeah, I'd give it about a six. I like it. All right. I think, I think that's a, that's a good score. It's probably the best score an M. Night movie has gotten in a long time. In a very actually. long time. Yeah. Yes, I'm with you. Uh, and, uh, we're not going to be doing, uh, any other M. Night movies anytime soon. Uh, because it's, let's oh. just leave it at this. Darby's going to be so sad. Yeah. Well, you know, if he wants to do the village, we can talk it. Nah, he wanted to do... Uh, oh, Unbreakable? Unbreakable, yeah. I'm down with Unbreakable. We'll I, I liked Unbreakable. Oh, he's changing <laughs> his tune now, Hindsider, yeah. so we'll see what happens. Um, but uh, once again, everybody, um, thank you very much for spending your quarantine time with us. Your quarantine. Your daytime, your nighttime, the time that seems just like yesterday's time and tomorrow's time and we don't know what day it is time and... God help us, time. It's all right. We uh, we technically released Robin Hood, and uh, we're, it's going to be on our website soon, I would imagine. But uh, 
we really do appreciate you being here. Please, if you're still, even if you're not struggling, if you just need some help with our support page, which is still a work in progress, we've got a lot of stuff going on right now, so we're sorry for the slow progress of that, but we're going to make it happen. If you're a hairdresser, a performer, anything that we can help you with, or if you're providing support to others, that's also very important to us. So please let us know where we can direct people to any kind of support that you're providing during the corona. We would be happy to advertise that for you. So uh, guys, we cannot tell you how much we appreciate you for tuning in uh, for your daytime, your nighttime, your drive time, all the times that Jason says. Uh, thank you, Mr. B, for joining us. Can you say good night? Good night, everyone. It's my pleasure. All See right. you next week. All right, Hindsiders, this has been Hindsight and good night. <laughs>